0: Welcome to Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. Here's your host, Ben Wilson. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. I'm your host, Ben Wilson, and my co-host, Rodney the Bulldog, is beside me as usual. And today, I have a special guest as we talk about the space industry. And the space industry is extremely huge here in Florida, especially in Brevard County, Florida, where I currently live. And my guest today is Dale Ketchum of Space Florida. Dale is Vice President of Government and External Relations at Space Florida, and basically Space Florida is the organization that's very instrumental in the development of the space program here in Florida um, with development financing, so a lot of really cool things going on, and I heard Dale speak as part of a leadership Brevard program that I participated in, so I thought it was very interesting, and I'm glad to have him on the show. So please welcome my special guest today, Dale Ketchum. Dale, thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Oh, glad to do it, Ben. Looking forward to it.
0: Thanks. So, you know, the the space industry has been in the news a lot recently with uh, rocket launches. Um, You know, we've got Blue Origin out there, uh, SpaceX. You hear some of the celebrity owners like with Jeff Bezos and uh, guys like that involved. So uh, just kind of tell me, how did the space industry begin in Florida? And how did Brevard County get to be known as the Space Coast?
1: Well, it's uh, coincidental because just this month, uh, excuse me, last month, I guess, July 24th uh, was the 70th, 70th anniversary of the first launch from the Cape uh, with a, a bumper. It was a bumper, which was actually a, a reconfigured V2 that we'd captured from the Nazis back in the, at the end of the war. And that was the first launch here. Back then, it was known as the Long Range Proving Grounds. Uh, but that was the first launch we've had, uh, I believe the range that keeps tally of it has, uh, we've had over 3,500 launch attempts here from the Cape uh, since that first one. And I've been here a long time uh, and I've, in the time since I moved here, uh, we've had over 3,000 launch attempts. So I've, I've witnessed a lot of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess the first time I ever heard of, um, you know, with Cocoa Beach and the, the space industry, it was with the I Dream of Genie TV show in the, in the 60s. So um, uh, talk about how that, um, you know, Brevard County was selected as the ideal location for the space industry.
1: Yeah, it's, it's for the most part, it's a simple matter of orbital mechanics. If you're going to put something into an equatorial orbit around the, the equator, which is where most payloads need to go. Uh, being closer to the equator is better because you're actually able to use the speed of the rotation of the earth to help you achieve the energy necessary to get into orbit. And you could, you know, obviously you could launch in Miami and be closer to the equator, but you also need to be able to um, it's not unusual to have your vehicle blow up on the launch pad. And some of those explosions are rather large. So you need to, you need to place your spaceport where there are not a lot of people. And back then, uh, there were not a lot of people here on the Cape. Um, it was uh, sparsely populated, but ideally located uh, to take advantage. It was north of where the Bahamas were so you can go due east and not overfly the Bahamas. And it didn't take too much for the federal government to decide this is a place they want to set up shop. And so they did. First the Air Force and then NASA.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, for those that are familiar with the Cape Canaveral, Cocoa Beach area, they they know that um, you know the space industry is very, very vital to the economy here uh, with jobs and also the military bases. We have, uh, say, uh, Patrick Air Force Base. So, talk about uh, your organization, Space Florida, and you know how it was created and uh, what role it plays with the space industry and in bringing it to Florida and growing it.
1: Well, uh, the best way to view Space Florida because we are a somewhat nuanced organization um, conceptually, but th- the easiest way to understand us is we are effectively uh, a special district of the state and. Uh, analogous to an airport or a seaport authority, but we have spaceport authority responsibilities and we have jurisdiction throughout the state. So we're like uh, Orlando International Airport or uh, Cape Canaveral Seaport Authority. Um, We're responsible for owning and leasing and financing a lot of the property to promote the development of the aerospace industry both here on the Space Coast, but also the aerospace industry writ large throughout the state.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess talk about uh, some of the cool projects that you have going on right now um, in Brevard County. Um, we've got a number of
1: them. I, our, our single biggest one was not space related. It was the uh, Northrop Grumman oh, okay. uh, facility uh, project down in Melbourne. That is uh, the where they're doing the engineering and design and prototype manufacturing of the next generation of the long-range strike bomber that will be the the new um, new generation following the B two in terms of our our air launched um, nuclear capacity. It's part of our nuclear triad, and we're going to be designing the next generation of that vehicle. Um, for many decades to come, because it's not supposed to fly for 15 to 20 years, and then go into full production. So that's a big eight-campus facility, um, about eight, uh, about uh, 200 250 million dollars worth of facilities, about an equal amount of number value of equipment, and Sp- Space Florida actually owns that campus. Uh, and we were allowed to tour it when they did, when we got the certificate of occupancy for the very first building. And as a landlords, Northrop and the air force allowed us to tour the facility. And when we were done in about an hour, they said, "Now, even though you're the landlord, you will never be invited back in. Uh, you'll be shot if you attempted to come in here and <laughs> because it, it's a very secure facility. So we, uh. We lease it back to Northrop Grumman. That works very well for them, uh, and we were able to bring that project here, which was originally intended to be about eighteen hundred jobs, um, but it's well above that, and the average salary's uh, north of hundred thousand dollars. So it was a it was a big project uh we're very yeah. proud of uh next on the list though is the obvious big one in the space universe which is blue origin and mm-hmm. they have about a million square feet of manufacturing facility that again we own and lease back to them uh and they are blue origin is unique uh they are patient and slow at and deliberate at achieving the goals they've set for themselves to become a major player in the space launch business um, but between the the future is likely to be a contest between Elon Musk with SpaceX and Jeff Bezos with Blue Origin. Right? And they're they're unique in that they are new space companies that that very much reflect the personality of their founders. Um, they're very they they don't share a lot because they don't need to. They're private businesses. Um, which is different than the traditional space, which are usually multinational corporations working on NASA contracts. So the, the public has a right to a lot of information. But most of what SpaceX does is SpaceX business or commercial business, not NASA. And blue is going to be in large manner the same way. So they, they work at their own pace. Uh, SpaceX is very public, very visible uh, very aggressive and fast, and Blue Origin is much more deliberate and quiet. Uh, but they are, you know, when when you're run by the richest man in the world, um, you can you can exercise that patience. But they're 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 not slow at all. They are um, uh, they're they're they proceed at a Reasoned pace, and when they know what they're ready to do, and then they do it. So it's it's a fascinating dichotomy, but both of them reflect the excitement and enthusiasm that commercial space is bringing to the space industry. And nowhere is that happening more so here on the than on the Space Coast.
0: Right, and uh, you know, I, I know that there were some recent rocket launches where you know they're trying, I guess, to eventually get it where you could have commercial travel. To the moon, and people could pay money and go to the moon. I guess for, you know, just folks like you and me, if you want to pony up the money.
1: Yes, uh, well, uh, SpaceX is really clearly the industry leader at this point, and the achievements mm-hmm. that they've made over the last ten years are, are just breathtaking. Um, it, it, you know, their uh, the the recent uh, test launches of their Starship in. Um, Texas, which is their testing facility, there at Boca Chica, just near Brownsville, Uh, they they test all different kinds of things. And we wanted that here, but they blow a lot of that stuff up. Mm -hmm. And here at the Cape, we're we and NASA and the Air Force and the commercial industry collectively are running a business, and blowing stuff up is not usually good for business. But that's what you are supposed to do at a test facility like. Uh, what SpaceX does in Brownsville. And so they, they blow up a lot, but when they become operational, that's when we want to talk to them about having a lot of that operational capability here in Florida. And there's no doubt we will. We already have a lot of their, uh, a great deal of their existing launches. Mm. But it, it's it's so exciting because the coolest thing that I've seen since the moon landing launches uh, was the return of that first SpaceX booster back to the Cape? Um, if, if you understand rockets, the ability of to turn a rocket around and fly it back to its launch site, and have it land, you know, just vertically, is just such an astonishing accomplishment, and in enabling them to reuse that booster because they're very clear that the uh, Uh, the idea from the get go with Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and others is the idea that you would build a rocket to put a payload into space and then throw the rocket away after one use is just insane. Right. You you, you don't, you don't do that with airplanes. You don't fly Mm -hmm. to Los Angeles and then throw the airplane away. Right. Uh, so that was, um, uh, that was Elon Musk, uh, really his most signature accomplishment to date in my mind was to be able to put a payload into orbit or around the earth and then re, you know, reuse that rocket booster. Uh, that's enabled to bring down the price, which means more people can afford to launch, which means there'll be more launches, which again, helps to lower the cost. Um, but being able to achieve that is, is, um, something that was dreamed about. And most people, when he first came up with the idea, he was dismissed as um, you know, a, a lunatic or somebody who won't achieve that. But I, I think everyone in the world takes Elon Musk deathly seriously now. And if you're in yeah. that business and you're competing with him, you'd better take him very seriously.
0: Well, and the thing about those two companies is um, they're also bringing a lot of jobs to the Brevard County area. Matter of fact, my neighbor works with Blue Origin, and they and they're good-paying jobs, which yes, is very important. I mean, you, counties are always looking for good, solid uh, jobs, and in these fields, you're bringing people who have to be highly educated to come in and do this work.
1: Yeah, the the biggest challenge we have, and it's certainly not unique to uh, the Space Coast, is uh, getting and uh recruiting and retaining the right talent i mean that's a problem nationally if not globally but because of the success we've had in turning the space coast around after the retirement of the shuttle in 2011 the demand the the one issue we hear from all of the new people who have moved here and the old people who are still here is uh, I need talent. I need people with the skills to do what I need done here. And they're they're high paying. They're high wage. They're not always, um, you know, they're not always college degrees. They're they, if you're a welder, mm-hmm. you you know, if you know how to weld uh, well stainless steel and or or work composites or things of that nature. There's a, you know, there's a lot of money to be made and a high demand for that capability. Of course, that's probably true anywhere in the country. Yeah. But it, the growth we're seeing here certainly should make uh, anybody with a skill set that wants to live in warmer weather and enjoy uh, uh, the beach and a great lifestyle and a reasonably low cost of living. This is a great place to come.
0: Yeah, and I was actually going to ask you about that um, with the, the jobs for people who – don't necessarily go to college, but more the trades, because in my real job, you know, we face that as well. And I know back in the day when I was in high school, the push was, well, you know, it was the expectation that you were going to go to college, except, you know, there would be some people where college just wasn't their thing and they were good with, you know, carpentry skills and things, but it wasn't mandatory in the schools that you had to take shop class or, um, you know, auto mechanics and stuff like that. And now we're, we're seeing a shortage in that. And like you said, there's a huge demand for people who can be the welders and electricians and plumbers and stuff and, and make, they can make really good money. Well, it's, it's been a
1: fascinating exercise as I've gotten more into workforce issues that one of the big challenges we have in recruiting talented young people into the the trades and and the the hands-on skills is the 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 parents are reluctant to that they're not excited about it at all they see manufacturing is like uh you know it was 50 years ago where it was it was dirty and uh and subject to fluctuations in the marketplace and they they wanted their kids to go to college
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and you know that might have been the case 30 years ago but nowadays particularly you know that mindset was also a big part of pushing all of our manufacturing overseas and we're mm-hmm. now understanding acutely that that, uh, that that wasn't all bad but that came at a high price and we want to you know there's been a lot of reshoring of manufacturing back to the United States of America and that that's certainly a good thing but as we've done that, the, the the nation has come to understand that there, we've kind of lost a generation there mm. uh, of skilled, talented people. And the, the, the folks who need, there's a big disparity between the young people coming in who do have the skills and a lot of the older folks who have a lot of corporate knowledge as to how things need to be done. Uh, but they're near retirement age. So right. there's a there's a big vacuum there that needs to get filled if we're going to continue our efforts to reshore and rebuild American manufacturing to state-of-the-art capabilities, particularly in achieving the goals we are here on the Space Coast of, of taking humanity out into space for exploration, for tourism, for commerce for exploitation in terms of uh, mineral resources and mining and things of that nature because uh I, I think one of the most compelling images that i think have been offered is to the human experience in space was by jeff bezos and it's it's really a, 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 a what was a part of his um valedictorian speech at princeton obviously he's a smart guy um Uh, is that we plunder this planet uh, for minerals and energy and just savage the the surface of the Earth, um, despoiling our home planet to get minerals and energy because we need them. When all of the minerals and energy we could ever use are out there in the solar system, mostly on asteroids and things of that nature... And his vision is let's move the, the mining and heavy industry off of the planet and return the earth to zoned residential. Uh, And that's, that's just a a great dream. Uh, And we're actually, you know, it sounds like it is a dream and it'll happen in, you know, 500 years. Nah, it's, it's going to be happening a heck of a lot. It'll be happening within our lifetime. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so that, that really helps to drive the motivation for uh you know jeff bezos says that he created amazon to be the piggy bank for blue origin uh, because his goal is to generate the resources to put in place an infrastructure that will enable the transportation of human activity into space Uh, he recognizes that amazon wouldn't exist If the internet uh, hadn't already been developed, if uh, uh, electronic payments hadn't already been developed, if uh, overnight delivery hadn't already been developed, those were key infrastructure blocks that were necessary for Amazon to grow. And he's trying to put in place a transportation mechanism that will be foundational to economic activity in the, in the solar system that we can't even begin to imagine yet, but
0: we're going to need to
1: be, have that transportation.
0: Yeah. It's like, <clears throat> I guess he's working toward the Jetsons car, cartoon concept in the future. In, in many
1: ways. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got his vision of millions of people living and working in, in space. And part of our motivation within space, Florida Is that we want to see to it if you're having millions of people living and working in space then you're gonna need key ports to um, be a part of going into space and also coming back and if you're going to be we want to see to it that Florida is the primary Port For human activity going from this planet out into space and the human uh, economic activity and cultural activity. And uh, I I think it's just a very exciting endeavor. And it's important to us that that, the primary location be Florida. Uh, It's equally important that the primary location not be somewhere in China. But it's it's going to be a great business, a a booming enterprise for all of humanity, and there are going to be ports everywhere. But uh, it kind of started here. We want to see to it that we're we're major players and all of that.
0: Yeah, and I guess um, continuing on that, you know, with Space Florida, you guys are able to offer financial incentives and things like that. Um, Talk about some of the incentives that you can offer these companies to come and what. Florida is a better attraction than let's say a Texas or a, um, a Virginia somewhere like that.
1: Well, we, we get nervous because space Florida, there are organizations within the state that have in the past offered incentives and that that's not us. We don't do incentives. We can, oh, okay. we, we can, uh, what we do is we can help provide, um, financing synthetic leases conduit financing we've got a very sophisticated toolkit that has very it's very powerful it's it's kind of got a narrow range in which it can be applied but within that range it's extremely powerful and we can help uh, provide the financial uh, structure to a deal that really impacts the bottom line of the company that wants to come here or is considering coming here and growing or expanding here. And it, it's really been an interesting exercise for me because we usually have people coming in who are the program managers who are just worried about, you know, they've got some deadline they need to meet and to develop a rocket and or a system or a satellite. And we make our best progress when we're talking to the chief financial officers or the comptrollers or the tax attorneys, because mm-hmm. when we're able to talk to them, their eyes get big. It clicks mm-hmm. with them because they know how much that affects the actual bottom line of the deal. Um, so it, it's it's a unique uh, exercise. Uh, Space Florida has got a, a, a great toolkit. Um and we've been very successful. We're we're not going to capture all of the space work, but mm-hmm. you know we uh, our job as Space Florida is to capture more than our fair share. And so far, I think we're on track to do that.
0: Right. And I thought it was interesting in your presentation at uh, Lead Brevard. You explained how, it's um, ex- Exploration Park is something we've been working on. I did say that right? Correct. Correct. Okay. And I thought, me being a real estate lawyer, I was like, I, I was intrigued by that. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, Exploration Park, Space Florida owns all all of that, and you're able to enter into leases with the the SpaceX's and Jeff Bezos and Northrop Grumman's, all those kind of companies. Um, so there's a lot of real estate work going on there for not only the business people but also the lawyers too. Well, we technically we don't own that; it's still NASA property. Oh, it's still
1: NASA property. Correct. Okay. We sublease it. Uh, we have agreements uh, with them, and we sublease it because it's one of the one of the uh, strong capabilities of being a special district as we okay. are structured, is we can deal with the federal government as government to government, but then turn around and deal with industry as industry to industry, and so we're able to. Uh, would it be better if NASA wasn't involved? Yeah. Uh, simply because dealing, if if you can avoid having the federal government a part of the critical path for your business operations, I think anybody in business would say that that's probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they own the real estate, uh, as does the Air Force on the Cape Canaveral Air Force Station, uh, and our job is to help. Whether we own it, at the end of the day, we don't really care. Space Florida is just a means for the state of Florida to grow the industry. right? And, you know, so we are, uh, you know, it's kind of like NASA. NASA's not there just to be NASA. NASA is the vehicle the country uses for exploration of space. If there's a better way to explore space, then you get rid of NASA. If there's a better way to grow space industry in Florida, Get rid of Space Florida. We are we're not the ends. We're just the means. So, I, I think on Exploration Park we're about filled up with that particular. I think it was about two or three hundred acres. So we are spending forty million dollars right now to help develop about five hundred acres we have out at the old shuttle landing facility which is now known as the Launch and Landing Facility because we don't have shuttles anymore. And NASA turned that over to Space Florida because there was a clear understanding that we as the state were much more capable of commercializing that asset for the good of the country than they were as a federal agency. Uh, so, right. we've, we've been operating that, running that. Uh, we have responsibility for it. And we're bringing in about $40 million worth of Florida Department of Transportation money to put in the roads, the uh, power, the communications, the retainage ponds, the water, mm-hmm. uh, so that we'll have more land for development in the future. And we've got our eyes on a couple piece of other property because that'll eventually fill up as well.
0: Right, you know, and one thing um, I should have asked from, I guess, the very beginning of this, talk about the uh, interplay even more of NASA. I I know you mentioned it, the the interplay with NASA and Space Florida, but also like with NASA and SpaceX or Blue Origin, because I was reading an article in the paper where, you know, NASA was really thrilled with the success of this recent rocket launch that just returned back to uh, to Florida and. The executive from NASA was saying that the goal was for NASA not uh, was to, for NASA to be the client, and I thought that was interesting. So, could you maybe explain a little bit about that for some of the listeners who aren't in tune sure. with all the intricacies of NASA and how it works with uh, SpaceX and Blue Origin and the other organizations?
1: Well, in in, in large measure, that's also being reflected in the uh, uh, attitudes and approaches of the Department of Defense. Um, with the Air Force and national security launches, is um, the responsibility of the Air Force and the Space Force now, is to get payloads into space to support the warfighter and to be able to do so as quickly, reliably, and securely as possible. Mm-hmm. And in the eyes of the Air Force or, and now Space Force, if they need to own all the property and manage everything to get that mission done that's what they'll do. but if there's a better way for them to achieve those mission goals uh, under another template with somebody else doing a big part of that, then they're more than happy to talk to somebody now you've got to you've got to really meet some critical thresholds and assure them that 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 mission will be accomplished. But the same is true with NASA. NASA's mission is to explore, uh, the heavens and to do, you know, aviation and aeronautics research and things of that nature that that's their mission. That's why people look to NASA as they do. I think that's why the taxpayer feels as though they're, they're paying NASA, you know, usually taxpayers are, are don't gripe too much about their taxes going to NASA, um, course, everybody gripes about all taxes, but I think they're happier with it going to NASA than most anything else. Um, but you know, uh, our challenge with um, between Space Florida and NASA, in particular, and the Air Force is, we as a state agency, like we're now going through the exercise of helping NASA take care of a bridge that it built and owned. It built it back during 1965, I think, with the original mission to the moon. And they built a bridge, but they and roads. They've got five bridges here and a lot of roads. It's a very big center, 147,000 acres. But they don't really have the money, and they're not given the money by Congress to adequately maintain this fundamental infrastructure. So they have a bridge that's getting ready to be derated for heavy payloads, which is a, the main bridge from the mainland into the uh, onto the Cape, and that's not a good thing. But mm-hmm. you know, it's it's going to cost 160 million dollars to replace the thing. But do you want to, you know, do you want to go to the Congress, the subcommittee that appropriates for NASA, and take 160 million dollars out of, you know? sending astronauts to the space station or exploring the moons of jupiter or whatever to fix a bridge that's that's not really what the taxpayers i think believe they want their money going to nasa for so you could turn that over to the state who is in the business of maintaining roads and bridges and does so very well here in the state of florida we've i think we're always in the top five of states for maintenance of our roads and bridges um, still doesn't mean we don't have our problems, but we're, right. we're better than most other states. Uh, but if you, you know, Florida department of transportation, that's what they do. They know how to do that. They do that for a living every day. That's all they do. So there are, there are, a, as we evolve, uh, as the spaceport evolves, uh, we have little doubt that the state and a spaceport authority, whether it's us or a new federal entity, is a better way to govern the spaceport where you can, because what we do is we've got about $2 billion worth of investments in infrastructure, mostly at the Cape, but around the state. But the vast majority of that $2 billion, about 90%, is private sector investment, not tax dollars. And if 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 we can figure out a way to get to the private capital markets to finance roads and bridges and pipelines and utilities and all the things that are going to be fundamentally necessary to growing a spaceport. It'd be much better if those were private sector investments than going to the taxpayers in Washington or Tallahassee. Because, you know, the, the federal government is going about the business of spending 4 or $5 trillion it doesn't have over the $1 trillion that it had anticipated that it doesn't have. So money has been tight and it's going to get dramatically more so. So figuring out the best way to run your railroad while still exploring space is, uh, we believe the marketplace is going to drive the federal government to changing governance models here. So we're, we're looking forward to those negotiations.
0: Yeah, that's, that sounds like some pretty interesting stuff going on there. So, uh, you know, one thing um, uh, I forgot to ask on my or put on my outline, but I absolutely have to ask, is about Kennedy Space Center. It's uh, one of the huge uh, tourist attractions in Brevard County. Uh, and I know you worked there for many years. Talk about the importance of Kennedy Space Center to not only Brevard County, but also the work of the space program.
1: Well, KSC has has always been the primary point where, uh, the U S left, um, went to space in human exploration. Uh, the, the original, actually the Mercury launches launched from the air force side, uh, and actually mission control for Mercury was here in Florida. It wasn't until Gemini that, uh, I, I'm old enough to still be ticked off at Lyndon Johnson for pulling mission control uh, over to Texas, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I got over it. Um, that was a long time ago. But KSC is NASA's primary point uh, and, and launch site, and it's where we will go back to the moon for the, the the first woman and the next man to get to the moon. Hopefully, when we get there – we're not greeted by people speaking Mandarin, but I I think we're going to, I think we're going to beat them. Uh, and hopefully, you know, that's where we're going to go to the moon and then on to Mars ultimately, which has always been the long-term goal and we are going to get there, Mm -hmm. but that, that's Kennedy space center's primary mission. And that's what NASA expects of them. Um, you know, they're, they're stuck with trying to manage five bridges and a, bunch of roads and things of that nature and and meet the 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 challenge really for them is they are providing a lot of the commodities and the utilities and all this other stuff to the growth of the commercial sector. But that sort of begs the question is should tax dollars be going to put in infrastructure so Elon Musk can make a profit? And you know that that's interesting question. Or would it be better if and authority was going to the private sector to borrow the money to put in place the roads, the bridges, the pipelines, all these other things, so that Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and anybody else who's out here making money, whether they're individuals or corporations, um, can can effective, you know, can le- can pay for those, pay back the investors for that investment in roads and bridges and. and pipelines and utilities exactly the same way it occurs at an airport or a seaport and uh, but I, I think Kennedy's job is being NASA's location where we're we're gonna send people to the moon and Mars and and uh, satellites to explore the moons of Jupiter and go beyond there uh, you know it all launches here from the Cape so that's that's KSC's primary role. And It's an exciting one. It's certainly been a great to grow up here and watch their success and to suffer when they have their failures because we, we've lost astronauts mm-hmm. uh, in the exploration of space and we will lose more. Getting into space is dangerous um, and it's, it's hard to do. Uh, but as we go out there, we are going to continue to lose uh, astronauts simply because it is dangerous and hard. But you know you, you don't stop exploring because you lose people. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we, did, we, we lost a lot of people in the exploration of the new world and the opening of the old West. Uh, and that's not even taking into consideration the indigenous populations. Mm-hmm. That was an entirely different perspective, but right. Exploration is hard, uh, but be, you know that, that's what makes it as uh, intriguing, exciting. Um, as as it is, and that, that's why humans are drawn to it, and I, I I think all of humanity is drawn to that. But I certainly think it's a a fundamental part of the American uh, self image, and I hope we don't lose that.
0: Yeah, well, and uh, the other thing too, uh, it's a really good place for people to come, whether they're locals and. In Brevard County or Central Florida, or coming up for a vacation, it's a great place for people to go and learn about the space program and take a tour. And, um, you know, we had the opportunity to do that in Lead Brevard, and I thought it was very informative. So I definitely would encourage people to take a visit out to Kennedy Space Center um, sometime in the near future. Oh, yeah. So, uh, it,
1: it, it's, it, it is the. It's in the top five tourist attractions in Florida. And if you think about Florida
0: with Disney and Universal, uh, that's big. Yeah. So a lot of interesting things going on over here in the space industry. So I guess to kind of wrap up our discussion. So you've talked about a lot of projects that are in the works. Um, What are some exciting long-term projects on the horizon for the space industry and what role will uh, Space Florida have in achieving those goals? I think uh, what we're focused on right now is we have
1: a lot of new exciting projects in the work that are going to add and supplement to the growth of, um, you know, we used to be just a government launch site and now the, the state is conscientiously chosen to go in a different, in, in a direction that gets us away from purely reliance on the government. And it used to be that everything was built elsewhere and shipped here to launch, but now we're building rockets. We're building satellites. We're building capsules. We're building the hardware here. And so part of our, our, our long-term goal is to, really focus it's not as sexy but we're focused on the supply chain the second and third and fourth tier suppliers who will support all this exercise to bring them here uh and to to put in place the capacity to generate the talent and recruit the talent that will keep all of these both the 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 big boys and, and girls and the uh uh, all the supply chain growing here, and and the the universities and school systems to support them, and the cultural amenities. Because uh, it, it, you know, it, it, one thing about the space coast is culturally, we know space. That's what we do. That's our vision of ourself. That's our self image, and that's that's largely true of the entire state. So. We're looking at real foundational things to make sure we're well positioned to go after more big things as it comes.
0: Yeah well, I know it's a very exciting and since I've moved up here to Brevard I've, I really didn't know that much about the space industry so I'm learning more and more and it like I, I mentioned earlier and you've mentioned it's such a an important economic driver to Brevard County and really all of central Florida. And um, I think an interesting takeaway from this too is, you know, from the career standpoint, I mean, we mentioned how that there's a big need for people to do the trades, the welders and the electricians and plumbers and stuff. And, and you know, some kids in high school, it, that might be the career path for them because it, they pay well, they can get hired right away, uh, be trained. So it's kind of... Um, Very interesting to see how this evolves. And then from my perspective, working for a a real estate developer in Vieira, it's vital for our home sales. And as we develop the community, it helps us uh, not only build homes and sell homes, but also justify and say, hey, we're bringing in these kind of people who are bringing in this kind of income, and it helps us bring in the kind kind of retail and commercial activities that make it a desirable place for people to live.
1: Well, and that's that's one of the challenges that that we've had, particularly in my role with uh, on a, a past chair of leadership of was the growth that we're bringing into this community uh, is great, and it's it's high paying, it's high value, it's the kind of stuff any community wants. But we also have to recognize, and we do, that the result of that is. A significant spike in home prices, which puts additional pressure on, you know, if, if you're bringing in 2,000 people making $100,000 a year, mm-hmm. that makes it a lot harder for the cop or the nurse or the teacher to be able to afford their home here. And it puts real pressure on the folks that are, you know, just above losing their home. Yeah, And, you know, these are challenges that we, you know, we can't ignore. Uh, it's not really our charter to directly address them, but we have to recognize that we need to be a part of addressing them as part of our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the the one good thing about it is, with these new jobs and these new resources, is you have now you have more the capability to address these challenges. Which is better than not having people making lots of money, and still right. trying to address these challenges. But we, yeah. we, you have to go in with open your eyes open that your everything you do has an impact,
0: good or bad. Right. Well, and to your point, um, before we get to the living the dream questions, that is an issue in a lot of towns in Florida. I mean, you look at Miami, for example. I mean, in Miami it's very expensive to live there compared to other areas of the state, but you've got to have your, your teachers. You've got to have your firemen, law enforcement, things like that. But you've also got all the hotels and resorts and stuff, and you've got to have people to do the work. But if they can't um, live in the nicer home, they're going to be like, okay, I'm going to move to central Florida or I'm going to move to Georgia or Texas or something like that, because no one wants to work uh, their ideal job, but not, live in a home that they consider nice in their dream. And that that's an issue. So that's a very good point that you raised. So, well, that was a very interesting discussion on the status of the space industry. I know we could go on and on for that, but uh, that is a reason why people should check out Kennedy space center for the tours. And also you can learn more about space, Florida at spaceflorida.gov. So, now we're going to transition into the living the dream pop culture questions to see if you Dale Ketchum are truly living the dream. Which I guess if you're working to bring space to Florida and working with rocket launches and stuff like that, that's probably a good sign that you're living the dream. But this will just be a, a surefire test. So sure. First question. Um, one of the things I always talk a lot, I talk a lot about on the show is Seinfeld. It's probably my favorite TV show. So what's your favorite Seinfeld episode?
1: Uh, the contest.
0: Oh, yes. That, <laughs> that, that's, sure that's our number the, one answer. <laughs> I'm sure that's probably at the top of a lot of people's list. It is. It gets a lot of answers on the show. So good answer there. All right. Um, we've been talking a lot about college here. So um, what's the better college-themed movie? Animal House, Revenge of the Nerds, or Old School?
1: I'm old school. I'd have to go with Animal House.
0: See, so you're old school, but you're picking the Animal House movie. Yes, kind of yes. Funny. I would pick that too. Uh, I'm a big John Belushi fan, so I love that movie. But that was just such a – it was basically like a, this epic movie that was like so unlike any other movie that had been out before. And it was just such a massive success. Yes. Um, it,
1: it, it uh, Having gone to the University of Florida starting back in 1972 – um, it resonated. I'll leave it at that.
0: Yeah, I imagine so. Oh, that's one of my favorite movies. All right, great answer there. All right, uh, next question. Um, what's your favorite Bill Murray movie?
1: Um, uh, Lost in Translation.
0: Interesting. That's the first vote we've gotten for that movie. So that was where he actually got, a, I think, an Emmy yeah. for that.
1: Oh, it, it was an awesome movie. It really yeah. was.
0: And that was actually Bill Murray doing a serious role as opposed to his yes. normal comedy. Yes. That's a good answer. All right. So, sticking with 80s comedians here, what's your favorite Eddie Murphy movie? What was it? Uh, 48 Hours. Good answer. Yep. That was a, with Nick Nolte. That was yes. a good movie right there. Yes. All right. So, sticking with movies, name three of your favorite movies not starring Bill Murray. Eddie Murphy, or even John Belushi.
1: Okay, uh, my uh, top movie by far is is uh, Casablanca. Uh-huh. Um, I think number two, I'd go with Apocalypse Now, mm-hmm. and a little more contemporary. i third would be a uh, Return of the King, Lord of the Rings.
0: Oh yeah, you know I haven't had anyone give the Lord of the Rings. I'm surprised. That hasn't come up because that's such a, a massive movie. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. And of course, Casablanca, one of the iconic movies of all time. I think usually when they vote the greatest movies of all time, it's usually in the top five. Yes. yes. Yeah. All right. So sticking with space here a little bit, what's the better space-themed TV show? I Dream of Genie, Star Trek, the William Shatner version, or Star Trek uh, The Next Generation with Patrick Stewart, or even another space-themed movie? Or TV show.
1: Um, even though I dream of genie was ostensibly Cocoa Beach, where I grew up, I could never figure out the mountains in the background because um, Merritt Island <laughs> isn't that tall. Uh, I'll go with Star Trek: The Original William Shatner.
0: William Shatner. All yeah. right, he got William it
1: started. Too.
0: Yep. I love William Shatner. He's one of my favorite actors. He's a hoot, yeah. Oh, man. Well, I loved him when um, he was Denny Crane in Boston Legal. I don't know if you ever watched that show. But, yes. Uh, it was a oh, show. yeah. He's
1: awesome. Yeah, he's oh he's just a weird guy, but he fits perfectly if you can find the right niche for him.
0: Yeah. No, he's fantastic. All right. Um, sticking with uh, Space here, um, what's your favorite Star Wars movie and character? Um, I was never a
1: huge Star Wars. I mean, I really liked it. I went to them all, but I, I was more a Star Trek kind of guy. Between the two, I liked the. The only mm-hmm. thing I come away with all of the Star Wars movies was just a deep, abiding hatred of Wookies.
0: hmm So that means your favorite character is not Chewbacca.
1: Um. Oh no, not the Wookies. It was those. God oh, curse they, little teddy bear things.
0: The uh the Ewoks. Ewoks, yes.
1: Yeah. I just hated them. I don't know why. <laughs> More than I love
0: anybody else, I just hate them. Yeah. So so I think they came back was that it may have been Return of the Jedi, I think when they came out. That might be it. Yeah. All right. So next question. Um give me some of your favorite musical performers and bands.
1: Uh, I'm always stones has always been at the top of my list.
0: Good answer um, there.
1: I guess I'll say tied for two would be Jimmy Buffett and the Grateful Dead.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, so sticking with the 70s and 60s, there. I'm old, you know. What? It was interesting. Um, I just did a podcast where we did the 40 year anniversary of ACDC's Back in Black album, which they're one of my favorite bands. And it was interesting when we looked at the best selling albums of all time. Um, a Rolling Stones album was not in um, like the top fifty albums, and neither was uh, Jimmy Buffett or uh, the Grateful Dead. And I was really surprised the Stones weren't in there. Number one was a Michael Jackson Thriller, yeah, and then number two was um, ACDC Back in Black. But you know, I was uh, I thought for sure the Rolling Stones would be in there because you had some Led Zeppelin albums in there, uh, Fleetwood Mac. So it was interesting, but definitely good answers there. All right. Uh, next question: um, What are some of your favorite TV series, past or present, other than Star Trek?
1: Um, I would go with West Wing. That's a good, good one. Newsroom mm-hmm. and Andy Griffith Show.
0: That's a good answer right there. I love Andy Griffith.
1: Yes. How can you not?
0: Yep. All right. Just, just for giving Andy Griffith alone. You definitely are living the dream right there. Yes, yes, absolutely. That and William Shatner and Animal House. So there you go. All right. um, So if you could have lunch with three people, alive or dead, other than your immediate family, who would you pick?
1: Well, I feel an obligation just to say Jesus.
0: Well, we've had that
1: answer before. I'm sure. And and I I guess, to be honest with you, it. My my initial response to that is I'd want to find out how close we got in terms of what we're taught now from what he actually said. But that's uh, I you know Jesus is kind of a in a he's not in the same category as everyone else, right? Um, So I I guess if I had to pick three, I'd go uh, my my childhood idol was always Napoleon. Mm -hmm. I'm a philosophy major, so I would go with Socrates. Um,
0: You know, if you pick Keanu Reeves as your third, then that would be basically be part of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. The movie (laughs) from the (laughs) eighties. Well, I I would have to
1: admit that he was not on my list. I would, I I didn't
0: figure he was. I was going to go to Bill.
1: Yeah, I was, uh, I I don't know. Um,
0: well, from that movie, George Carlin was in there, if you want to pick him. Yeah, okay. That works. That works. I do George Carlin. That
1: would be fun. <laughs> or, 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 or Humphrey Bogart from Casablanca.
0: All right. Well, that certainly would be interesting. All right. Well, good good answers there. All right. Um, what's your favorite thing about living in Brevard County?
1: Um I don't know. It's the only place I've ever lived except for going to Gainesville.
0: Uh well we got the beaches, we got the river Indian Space Center.
1: I, I think the, the one thing that makes Bivard County unique and I'd never really thought of this is the Cape. It's where we mm-hmm. go to the it's where we go to space.
0: Yeah. All right. Our biggest tourist attraction. Yes. So um what about um outside of Brevard County what are your favorite Florida spots to visit I guess you're going to say Gainesville uh
1: absolutely no question about it I'm a 40 plus year season ticket holder at the Swamp so uh mm-hmm. um sweating and stinking humidity uh hot stadium uh with 90,000 other drunks uh is <laughs> is my is the highlight of my year Um, uh, I would say the keys is just so awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, and just the woods in North Florida, Yeah, just where it's quiet and tall pines. It gets, starts to be like Georgia, but I hate Georgia, so I can't say that.
0: Well, I noticed, um, I've been seeing on my social media lately, um, during the pandemic, people have been going up to this, um, I forgot the um, – there's like a, a natural spring near Gainesville, like Jenny Creek. Is that right? Uh, Jenny Springs is up there. The, the, the,
1: the, the probably more famous one is the itch that flows into the Santa Fe that then flows into the Suwannee. And okay, those are both awesome.
0: Yeah, because I've seen where people have been taking their kayaks and going there, the the big inner tubes and just kind of – Camping out and stuff with all the pandemic, that way they can social distance and have a good time.
1: Yeah, I mean, tubing down the river with a six-pack of cold beers, social distancing, (laughs) Uh, yeah, that's fine. I'll ride out the pandemic that way.
0: (laughs) You know, going back to the Swamp, I actually have not been to a football game at Florida. I guess that's got to be on my to-do list for sure, because being from Kentucky is more basketball. But I did go to a basketball game at Florida and I really like how they have it set up there because I mean the basketball arena was right next to the football arena. It kind of builds in to, uh, you could park all in that area It builds into the theme of Gainesville as this college town which I think is cool when you go to college in a college town did did, did you go there uh, rooting for Kentucky? I did uh, in Florida actually uh, they, they whipped us but I, I you hope know
1: you I you did rudely because that's the ex-
0: <laughs> expectation yeah. I would have. Well, actually, there were a lot of Kentucky fans there. The Florida There's fans,
1: a lot of Kentucky fans. They are ruthlessly loyal, and no one shows up. man, maybe, maybe those bums at Duke. But uh, between oh, the I two of you, that obsession of
0: Duke, by the way.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it was great to, you know, there there really is. Uh, Florida has a lot of hatreds in football. For me, it's always Georgia, first and foremost, but between hating Alabama and Tennessee and Florida State and Miami. But in basketball, there's really only one that's the dominant Mm. team to hate in the conference, and that's clearly those God-cursed people from Lexington.
0: Well, I know. I mean, I, I was embarrassed by the performance that Kentucky put on. I mean, and this was Mike White. I think it was Mike White's first year. And uh, they just flat out played us. But, I mean, it was a good atmosphere. I uh, enjoyed watching the game there. Uh, good setup. So uh, went by the the swamp. And uh, the baseball field was right by there, too. So it was like all sports in one area, which I thought was cool. Yeah, it's, it's a great town. Yeah. All right. Next question. If you could pick anyone to play you in a movie, who would you pick? I think I know the answer to this, but let's see if I'm right. Uh... I'll be honest with you. I have no idea. So I was thinking you were going to say Humphrey
1: Bogart. Um, that would be demeaning to Mister Bogart. Um,
0: <laughs> well, you got Shatner.
1: <laughs> oh, that'd be too. Well, that might be weird enough. Yeah. we have yeah, that's right, William Shatner. That's who I want to play.
0: <laughs> All right, uh, next question. Um, got uh two more here. Um, after this one. Who's your favorite stand-up comedian? Robin Williams. Good answer. Boy, that's a good answer. Great answer. I, I met him once, and I mean, just a bundle of energy. I, I said hello, and that was all the, the chance I had to talk. He just dominated after that.
1: Yes. Yeah, he was a bundle of energy.
0: Yeah. Well, I really loved him. Uh, his stand-up was great, but he, when he was in Mrs. Doubtfire, that was fantastic.
1: Oh, yeah. his his, his He just had such just such talent uh, but yeah. you could tell it was and it, it's not unusual with people like that that kind of talent it was a, a deeply tormented talent but uh yeah we, we benefited from it but it, we, you knew it was at his expense
0: yeah boy that was a great answer right there all right uh, next question uh, favorite sports teams
1: uh obviously the gators are yep first and foremost uh since i was born in Miami I'll go with the Dolphins um, uh, probably the Braves for baseball they've got a good team this year and uh, well it's just because I I
0: grew up long before there was any baseball mm-hmm. in well, yeah you're probably watching uh, them on TBS just like, yeah, yeah. like I was doing. <laughs> watching yeah. uh, commercials for Schlitz and Paps Blue ribbon.
1: <laughs> um. Uh. And well, I'll. Oh, and uh, I'm a Magic fan. Not surprisingly.
0: Okay. Yeah, they're battling right now in the the NBA bubble. They're they're looking like a playoff team. Well, it's a home game for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope they can keep keep that up. It's good for the state of Florida when the Magic and the Heat are both in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. All right. A uh, final question. Uh, who are the best mentors in your life?
1: I would definitely say my dad, not mm-hmm. surprisingly, especially if you knew him. Uh, there's a lot of buildings and parks named after him here on the space coast. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if there wasn't, he was it. And I'd say the two key mentors in my career Uh, was a a Florette at Haston with Rockwell International when I first went to work for Rockwell back in Mm 1981. And Linda Hennessy, who was chief of staff for the congressman who uh, hired me to be his district director back in 90. So those two women were definitely, and by far away, the the key mentors good or for good or bad.
0: So Yeah. All right. Well, great answers. Well, tallying up your score here, you definitely passed the living, the dream pop culture questions. I mean, you had the, the, the right answer for Seinfeld on the contest. I mean, had animal house reference, John Belushi, William Shatner, uh, I mean, great answers, Robin Williams. So, All good answers. So, well, Dale, I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, giving us some insight as to what's going on with Space Florida and the growth of our space program here in Florida. And also enjoyed your answers on living the dream questions. So thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun, Ben. I appreciate the opportunity to do so. And uh, to all the listeners out there, you know, like we mentioned, if you're in central Florida and want to come over and learn about the space industry on your way to the beach, Check out Kennedy Space Center and uh, also check out Space Florida's website at spaceflorida.gov to learn more about what's going on with the organization. So once again, thank Dale Ketchum for being our special guest today. And thanks to all the listeners for listening to the show. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this episode. Find us online at benandrodney.com and follow us on Instagram at benwilsonmiami.